Welcome to Spielin' and Dealin', the Georgia High School Basketball Podcast. I am Kyle Sandy, the owner and founder of SandySpiel.com. Today it's a GHSA Boys Final Four Preview Podcast. No shortage of drama and upsets and overall mayhem across the state of Georgia in the Elite Eight. That's why they call it the February Frenzy. That's why I call it February Frenzy, I guess you could say. But let's dive into Class 7A. Timeout gate! Did they have a timeout? Did they not have a timeout? Oh my gosh. We are raging on on Twitter. What happened? A crazy finish. Pebblebrook 65, Milton 59. And then on the bottom left-hand side, Burkmar 62, Grayson 57. Picked two out of four correctly. Only two out of four Final Four teams I have remaining. But let's go into it. So we see Pebblebrook versus Burkmar. Pebblebrook getting that huge win over Milton. Getting some big contributions from everywhere on the roster. And then Burkmar uh, getting their win as well in, in, in impressive fashion. But again, before we even talk about this, now we have... We had timeout gate, which we're not going to get too deep into the weeds about. Um, but how about um, schedule gate? Norcross, the schedule's flipping. The GHSA, back and forth. Uh, eventually, we, we settle on what was originally on the bracket, but everyone was going crazy about the schedule's flipping. Of course, these games are going to be played at Buford City Arena again. I absolutely despise how it's split on between Friday and then on Saturday. On Friday, we'll have Pebblebrook versus Burkmar, if I believe that is correct, after the flipping and the flopping. And then on the other side, we'll have Newton versus Norcross. But, oh, so much mayhem going on. I, you know, I was just in South Georgia, over 800 miles away. South's got something to say. Spiel's got something to say. I always go down and cover the entire state because covering the entire state and not just the big boys is very intriguing and very fun. But anyway, let's get back to what is happening, Pebblebrook versus Burkmar. Um, I felt like the, you know, this is where it's, these are the juggernauts. And I know, again, we always talk about the preceded brackets and who should be there and who shouldn't be there. But we got pretty much the, the, the big boys. Um, Pebblebrook, I would assume, is going to be the favorite in this game, or at least by most. Uh, just looking at what... Uh, Berkmar was able to do when they beat Grayson. Malik Ewing came back, 19 points, 11 rebounds. Jamil Rideout, 18 points, 6 assists. Ahmed Sumahoro back after that injury is providing some offense and some explosion to the basket. But Pebblebrook, uh, them beating Milton for the second time this year and just being what they've been all season long, Pebblebrook's been um, – you know, really strong, you could argue, the best team in the state of Georgia. And I think they're going to be able to win this game. I think Malik Ewing's going to have to have a very big game for Burkmar for the Patriots to win. And I think that's very, very possible. But I just think Pebblebrook, they've just been so good with the scoring coming from the guard play. And then John Simon, however you pronounce his first name, I apologize, but he's been so good. Uh, a guy I said at the beginning of the season, he's going to blow up. Uh, he's blown up. He is a, a certified, easy Division One candidate that should be getting some high major and mid-major looks as a junior. He has come up timely. And I think he's going to have to play a very important defense inside on Malik Ewan, but I'm going with Pellbrook to win this game. 
Right hand side, we saw Newton pull away from Archer, 59-47, and Norcross grind one out over North Gwinnett, and the very good, uh, I think it was Colin Hubbard that got those quotes afterwards uh, about Norcross. They're, they're, they're ready to cooperate this year. They weren't they weren't cooperating in years past. You know, mercenaries transferring in. Now they had a bunch of guys transfer out. And now maybe this isn't their most talented team they've had on paper the past five, six years. But look and just look at that. Lo and behold, guys that like each other and playing for one another. Norcross gets a great win over North Gwinnett to get a little revenge from last year's elimination. Uh, I will pick Newton in this game. I just think they've been the better team all season long. Uh, but Norcross, believe it or not, I, I got to think they're playing with house money here. I mean, I, I picked them to lose. It's been a while since Norcross has been this deep into the postseason. Uh, if Newton can play up to their potential, if these guys are all as legit as their scholarship offers say, uh, I would think they should win this game. I think Stefan Castle is going to be a little bit too much, but London Johnson's really tough, and Jerry Dang and Hezekiah Flag had a really big game scoring the ball for Norcross. That is, uh, you know, found points that you don't expect out of Norcross. And uh, he came up very big against North Gwinnett. But I think Newton is the better team. And I think Newton wins this one and advances on to the state title game. In Class 6A, Buford 62-54. They erase Carrollton. And now they will see Sequoia, a 71-70 winner over Kell. They will meet up on March 5th at West Georgia. Sequoia getting big game from Preston Parker. Came up huge, and they were able to handle the size inside of Peyton Marshall. We had a really good game for Kell, but Sequoia was able to find a way to win this game close. And Sequoia and Buford, an interesting matchup. Buford... Um, I saw Buford play Etowah, a somewhat similar team to Sequoia as far as just super efficient offense and shoot the three exceptionally well, and they just play good basketball. And Buford got beat pretty badly uh, by Etowah. Only lost by nine, but it got the double digits pretty good there in the second half. And that is a Etowah team, and I know you can't do um, similar opponents and what happened, but Sequoia did beat Etowah earlier in the season, 84-79. And with that being said, Buford, I know they got Jalen Taylor and Alon Sumler. And London Williams is going to have to play a big role inside. But Sequoia continues to win these tight games and continues to pull them out. And Kyle Keener has risen his level of play. And Dylan Woolley hits timely threes. And Fisher Mitchell can stretch the floor. And this team has gotten better and better on defense. And they just find a way to win. This is the deepest Sequoia has ever been in the state tournament everything is coming to a head Buford it's Benji Wood it's Alan Carden who do I have to pick in this game I am going with Sequoia to beat Buford I just don't know if I trust Buford in this one Sequoia has seen teams they have beaten teams that have been more athletic than them and has been longer than them and has just you know on paper or maybe on the court if you're looking at the eye test Sequoia probably shouldn't win this game if you're looking at them walking off the bus But games aren't won when you walk off the bus. If Sequoia can handle the full-court pressure of Buford, which I think they can because Sequoia has very good guard play and Sequoia shoots the ball very well, I think Sequoia, the Sequoia Chiefs, make it to make it. I have Sequoia beating Buford.
On the right-hand side, Wheeler could not make free throws. They kind of fumbled it away down the stretch and lost to Grove Town. A game I was very concerned for Wheeler. Just was not able to pull it out. I heard it was a interesting crowd. A lot of antics on the sideline. 82-76 Grove Town at home in overtime. And now they see Langston Hughes. Langston Hughes goes and beats River Ridge. 53-51. Again, we got two out of these four games correctly predicted. Langston Hughes, as I said, don't count out Rory Welsh. This guy is a magician. Come February and come March, he just finds a way. And now they'll play Grovetown, who they beat earlier in the year, 63-59. A lot has changed since then. I don't know what to expect here. Uh, just looking at what happened when these two teams hooked up in the first game. John McQueen had a big game, 22 points. A WD Muhammad transfer for Langston Hughes. He came up clutch. Kareem Roberts had 12 points. Randy Latham, uh, another move-in, had 8 points. Marquise Black had 10 points in that game for Langston Hughes. As I, I boringly ride down the lineup. And Kobe Davis only had 2 points, 0 of 7 from the field. But Kobe Davis had a good game against River Ridge. He's turning the corner. He's starting to make some plays and starting to find his offensive prowess. And on the other side, Lincoln County transfer. Frank Juan Sherman had 21 points to lead Grovetown. Darion Reed had 12 points and nine apiece from Bashan Ferguson and Markel Freeman in that first matchup. What do we think here? Oh, Grovetown is a super heavy favorite. They should definitely run away with the state title, I would assume, with that big win over Wheeler. They're playing this game again, as we mentioned, at West Georgia. They have all the length. They have all the depth. They have all the talent on the roster. They should win this game. I think Rory Welsh is going to throw the whole kitchen sink at him, but I just don't know how anyone can pick against Grovetown right now with that win against Wheeler. This team is certainly for real, but it is interesting, and we said this in the past podcast, you know, throw the rankings out the windows. Rankings be damned that Grovetown, Langston Hughes, and Sequoia are all in here. Sequoia and Langston Hughes, two of the very few teams that have beaten Grovetown this year. Very wild that they're all in here still, but Grovetown, a heavy favorite, I would have to imagine. Grovetown wins this one and makes it to the state championship. Next up, we are moving down to Class 5A. Saturday at Fort Valley State, Jonesboro rallied from down 20 points. They're going to have to play better. They dig themselves in holes sometimes. The Inferno had them shook, but they find a way to win. Come back and beat Loganville 67-61. They will play Eagles Landing, who had their own problems at first against Hiram until David Thomas and company got on track and won 70-54. This is a... Uh, a good matchup, right? A very intriguing matchup. You just don't know who's going to come to play. Um, Eagles Landing is my original pick to make it to the state championship and repeat as state champs, and it's super hard to do. So uh, we got four out of four games correctly predicted in this Elite Eight. I feel good about that, but it gets even crazier and crazier now. Um, I'm going to go with Eagles Landing. Uh, Jonesboro cannot afford to get off to a slow start but you could say the same about Eagles Landing both those teams as I mentioned kind of uh, sluggish to open up but I think Cayman Brown's gonna have to be big AJ Horton's gonna have to hit some shots Giannis Woods is gonna have to protect the rim but David Thomas AJ Barnes David Thomas always the best player on the floor I trust in him but I'm not surprised if they uh coach 
Uh, Mailman, Dan Mailman pulls this one out. Uh, but I'm going to go with Eagles Landing to make it back to Macon. Right-hand side, Chapel Hill. I heard they had this one nearly in the bag. Missed free throws, this, that. Craziness going down. Tri-Cities 86, Chapel Hill 81. A uh, As I mentioned, a wild, wild game. Uh, Simeon Cottle, it just feels like at this point he is absolutely refusing to lose in the state tournament. He is doing everything in his power to continue to pull this team over the hill. Um, won this game in overtime. Simeon Cottle, 42 points, 18 of 18 from the foul line. Corey Mincy, 20 points and 5 assists. Noriko Danner, 13 points and 7 rebounds. They just continue to find ways to win. Now they're going up against... Calhoun, everybody come on, a round of applause, someone give me credit for having Calhoun ranked highly in the preseason top 10, I know most Metro Atlanta people probably didn't know about Calhoun, but look at that, Calhoun is in the final four, 66-56 winners over Woodland Stockbridge, and as I mentioned, Dylan Faulkner inside at 6-8-6-9, Peyton Law, dynamic score at all three levels a great player at 6-6 on the wing you got Amari Winston's a great rebounder they can dominate the paint guard play is just good enough Tri-Cities is going to have to put on their hard hat Ryan Mathieu is going to have to really protect the rim and try and contain Dylan Faulkner um, but with all that being said I think Tri-Cities as I just mentioned Simeon Cuddle scoring 40 points guard play always is a monster factor in the state tournament, and Tri-Cities just has better guards here. And a veteran in Simeon Cuddle that's been there, done that before, I think he's just going to, again, find a way to pull his team over the finish line and beat Calhoun to make it to the state championship. Now we move to Class 4A. We got a great head of steam. We're really clicking. We're really rolling right now. Class 4A, Friday at Fort Valley State. Spencer, a 56-35 winner over Doherty, a dominant performance. And now they see Marist, 56-47 over Monroe. Monroe, again, can't get the job done when it matters. An unbelievable result for Marist, who is just, again, we talk about teams that don't necessarily pass the eye test, walking off the bus, but just like the girls' team, Marist will strap you up on defense. Um, They have done an exceptional job. Uh, getting the very maximum out of that roster. They're they're playing great right now. And that's all you can really say is they are playing great basketball. And they're they're playing with a lot of belief. And they have an opportunity to really continue to shake up this state tournament. Um, you know, th- they've really turned the corner. Um, great job, John Bowersfield, uh, coaching this team up. And again, it's not a guy that's not one player that's going to score a lot. I mean, Quinn Dam was the one player on that the all-region. I think he made the first team all-region, but it's just death by a million paper cuts. A lot of guys just know their roles, and they play into their roles very, very well. They share the ball, and they get after you. Um, but Spencer, again, so big, so athletic, so many options. Tyson McDaniels, Marish just has no one that can match him uh, with that length and athleticism, and he can – you know, attack from the wing. He can score inside the press. There's just way too much on the Spencer roster. Now, if it's close, 
Maris will definitely have a chance if it's close in the fourth quarter, but I just, I don't know. Spencer's going to come at you and press the whole time and try and wear you down with Y.D. Scott and Tony Montgomery and Randall Dixon, just so many guys that they can throw at you. Maris is going to have to hit some outside shots and is going to have to really strap up um, and rebound. Grant Erickson is going to have to play a huge role inside, only about 6'3". He's a physical presence, but... Oh, they're going to be able to take away a lot. Spencer Jylene Drake is a big 6'8 post presence. I just think Spencer just too many horses in this one. If Spencer can just let the guys run and play and get them in good positions, uh, Spencer's just uh, you know so talented. I think they find a way to overwhelm Maris at the end of the day. On the right-hand side, McDonough puts an end to a great Druid Hill season, 53-48. to McDonough has been the best team in Class 4A all season long, and we'll see if they can get to the finish line now as they will see Jefferson, 63-55 winner over, or as they see Westover, a 63-55 winner over Jefferson. Westover was up big in this game. Jefferson came back and made it close, uh, but Westover, um, too good. And at home, you know, that's 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 a tough place to play at the Boston Garden. Who do I have between Westover and McDonough? As I mentioned, McDonough has been the best team. We we feel like the best team all season long. If you're just looking at what they've done as far as their schedule goes, it's hard to argue against um McDonough. They have they they've played some of these teams from these down south area as well. And of course have uh they've found a way, they've produced McDonough is tough. I think Davion Thomas is the guy that really makes his team go. Um, they have athleticism. Yeah, Keenan Gray plays with a great energy. He always gets after it, makes some plays on defense, can score a little bit on offense as well. Uh, just tons of it. Damari Gask is about 6'6", can stretch the floor and shoot the three. And Again, McDonough has really scheduled difficult teams and has prepared for this run so it comes as no surprise um, to see them in a position to make it to Macon and play for a state title but this McDonough team they're tough but Westover they're they're you know they're, they're, they're tough as well they've seen a lot of good competition they know what it takes to win these games as well uh, I think they're gonna have to get big performances out of Efren Smith and company uh, and it's it's not going to be necessarily easy. I mean, it's going to be a game that we, we already said is going to be at Fort Valley State, so that's not terribly far from McDonough. I know it's going to be a little bit of a drive for Westover, um, but uh, Westover is uh, they're tough. But I think McDonough is going to be a little tougher. And again, I think you're going to have to see Efren Smith. You're going to have to see Cachet Walton, Kamari Leverett, Kavon Johnson, guys like that are going to have to play well. I think it's going to be a close game, but I do think McDonough has prepared for this moment, and I do think McDonough will advance to the state title game. Now for Class 3A. I will be calling Class 3A and Class 2A on NFHS, so be prepared for that. It was Augusta versus Savannah. I picked three out of four of these games correctly, so that's a good sign, I suppose. Top left-hand side, we saw Windsor force a 47-41 winner over Sumter County. And then Thompson pull away in the fourth quarter from Jonathan Savannah. 79-66. Thompson has been tough all season long. Windsor force, obviously with Deontay Bass, is a jumping jack that is going to pose some problems for Thompson. 
I would imagine. I just want to see where does Windsor Force get that scoring from elsewhere. Is it Dante Dorman? Is it Javante Landry? Is it Quan Anderson? Who is it going to be? For Thompson, you know Levante Ivory is going to do a big portion of the scoring. Uh, Tydricus Braswell as well. Uh, this is a, a young team. I, I wouldn't say they're ahead of schedule right now. Uh, maybe slightly, but Thompson is absolutely rolling, and they are a very, very dangerous team. But I think Windsor Forest, uh, you know, you beat Sandy Creek. You pretty much take care of all this business. I think it's going to be a really close game, but I'm going to go with Savannah over the Augusta area going Windsor Forest to top Thompson. On the right-hand side, we saw Cross Creek a 55-47 winner over Groves. Now they see Beach 56-52 over Burke County. Uh, Larry Johnson, Shamari Huey, of course, uh, for the most part, leading the way. But Cross Creek, uh, again, this is a team that has been there, done that before. They've been, again, you know, better all season long than Beach. Beach has gotten hot at the right time, and, you know, Beach, they beat Long County, they beat White County, they beat Burke. They haven't seen a, mm, they haven't played a top 10 team in the state tournament yet. So the, you know, the, the, the path has been fairly, all things considered, easy for Beach. That bottom right-hand side was the weakest quadrant compared to what Cross Creek has had to do. They, they beat Upson Lee, they, they went on the road again and beat Lafayette at Lafayette again. And then they handle a very tough Groves team. And again, that one was on the road. So Cross Creek, I think Cross Creek wins this one. Um, I think Beach is playing exceptional basketball right now. But Cross Creek, again, they've been they've been here all season long. And they've been playing at a very high level. And I think they're going to be able to put an end to Beach's Cinderella story. Class 2A will be at Georgia College, and that will be on a Friday. Top left-hand side, Vidalia doesn't get it done, surprising a little bit. 67-53, Northeast Macon was taking it to them all game long. I know we saw people on Twitter um, not pleased with the referees switching up the referee crew and not letting them uh, defend as hard as they like to defend. Um, very interesting, but of course, uh, you're not going to have your hometown referees the entire time throughout the state tournament. You're going to see different crews. So if it wasn't in the elite eight, it was going to come in the final four and state championship. If the game is called a different way than you're used to, unfortunately, you have to find a way to adjust. And if that is the case, which I'm not going to say necessarily it is because I did not watch the game, but Northeast Macon took care of business and was able to handle Vidalia's pressure and they got the huge win, and now they are seeing. Hell, oh, they will see Westside May, uh, Westside Augusta, seventy-seven thirty-six. They blew the doors off of Early County, and I would tend to think Westside Augusta uh, should be able to. I'm not going to say blow the doors off Northeast Macon, but Westside has been super good all season long, and I am a believer in Westside. I've been an early adopter. After I saw all those top 10 wins I had to open up the season, um, I, I had a feeling this team could be good. They couldn't beat Butler until the region championship, but they are clicking, and I think they are just going to be too strong for Northeast Macon. I think they're going to put a lot of bonus on Travion Solomon to handle um, the offensive duties for Northeast Macon, and I just think Westside is so 
so balanced. You're looking at Kalon Hudson, 17 points and 8 rebounds. Jalexis Ewing, 16 points, 5 rebounds. Uh, Amari Tillman, who I like off the bounce, 15 points per game as a good scoring guard. And DeMarco Middleton, 8 points per game. So just so much to choose from. And I think this West Side Augusta team is ready to play for a state title. On the right-hand side, Butler, a 51-41 winner over Waco, avenging an earlier loss in the season. And now they see Woodville Tompkins, who was down 28-8, but they rallied past and beat uh, Model at Model 54-51 in overtime. Butler versus Woodville Tompkins. I think now Woodville Tompkins runs into a team that can match some a little bit with the guard play and the athleticism and the style of play. Um... I think this should be a a pretty good game, but I do think Butler will pull away in the end here. Uh, I think Lucas Platuna has been playing great uh, basketball for Woodville, and Alfonso Ross has hit some timely shots uh, throughout the postseason stretch, but... I, I, you know, you've seen a guy, Kendrell Glanton, really step up his senior season for Butler. Chance Finklin's a really good rebounder. A little point guard, Zyquan Grant, is fearless and will get up under you and distributes the ball well off the dribble. And Elijah Mar- uh, Martinez has uh, played a key factor, key role in this offense as well. I just think Butler, just looking at the totality of the season, they've been more consistent throughout. And I think they are going to have the horses to kind of match Woodville Tompkins. And I like them to pull away in the second half and set up a Butler versus Westside round four in the state championship. In Class A private, three of four games we grabbed correctly. Class A private, again, disgustingly, is going to be split up between March 4th and March 5th. The March 4th game at Buford City Arena is going to see Green Force versus Heritage out of Noonan. Green Force a 61-43 winner over Galloway, but put the asterisks on this one just a little bit, or actually maybe a big bit, because Anthony Arrington went down with the concussion and had to go to the ER and got hurt in that second quarter. And when you take away the best player in the classification, um, it's impressive that Galloway was even able to keep it an 18-point game. They just... Yeah, when you lose your your superstar, your heart and soul, it's a terrible way for a terrific career, a senior season to end for Anthony Arrington. But once he went down, there was there was no question that Green Force was going to win this game. Um, so Green Force they advance and they see Heritage who upsets North Cobb Christian, a North Cobb Christian team that was definitely prepared and ready, or at least loaded on the roster to make a deep run. And they are upset by Heritage, a team that. They flirted with the top 10 in and out here and there. Um, but they, uh, they they get the job done. And I think that is a, an impressive win. 52-51. Max Skidmore had 17 points. Malachi Townshed, 15 points and 8 rebounds. Was up to the task battling Elbert Wilson. And then Sean Nichols uh, compiling 12 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists. Uh, so those that big three right there really got the job done. And now they're running into Green Force. And Green Force, uh, they've really just been dominant all season long in Class A private. And I think they're going to be able to win this game. But I think Heritage is playing with much confidence right now. And they're playing again with house money. No one expects them to win. No one expected them to even get this far, most likely. 
So I think they're going to come in and give it their best shot. But I just think Green Force, again, just too much size and talent on that roster. And it would be a, an epic failure if uh, Green Force does not win a state title this year. Uh, but I think Green Force is ready to exercise the demons and get back atop the mountain. Right-hand side, Kings Ridge. They take care of Calvary Day for the second time this year, 62-47. They will play FPD, First Presbyterian Day, 64-53. Winner over St. Francis. And they were up around like 20 points in this game early on. And they were in control pretty much all throughout uh, this game and they had big contributions it wasn't just jay king who had 13 points seven rebounds seven assists jakari williams a football player uh quarterback over here about six four sophomore had 18 points and 17 or 18.7 rebounds four assists you saw some more contributions darius patterson and nick jordan nine points apiece um just an overall strong effort. Guys are really stepping up. Not a huge roster for FPD at all, but they seized control of this game early, and they uh, they milked it all the way through. So now they're seeing Kings Ridge. Again, Kings Ridge, um, can they slow down Jay King and his, uh, his dynamic scoring off the dribble? And can Jakari Williams, can he reproduce that uh, production he had against St. Francis? It should, be a, it should be a really fun game. I think a lot of three-point shots are going to fly in this one. I think Isaac Martin's going to be key. Zach Thomas, of course, has um, you know come on strong down the stretch, really finding his footing. Uh, but Micah Hoover, him versus Williams inside, I think that will be an interesting matchup. Who can grab those rebounds and can get second-chance buckets around the rim? Both guys more of a combo forward, wingy type players, not actually true post presences. Um, going with Kings Ridge, I think Kings Ridge has been uh, a really good team this year, and they've seen better competition than FPD. But FPD is playing um, good basketball. But you know they they got that win over Mount Vernon Presbyterian. I think that gave them confidence, and then they saw a four seed in St. Francis, who's kind of been up and down and all over the place this year, and they they jumped out them jumped out on them early and really held serve and. Uh, I think they'll have a shot at this one. Jay King, if he gets hot, FPD can win. But I'm going to go with Kings Ridge to make it to Macon. We finish up with Class A Public. I was down here, people. Don't say I don't cover the entire state. I don't think anybody says that because if anybody says I don't cover the South or cover anywhere, I, you have literally been living under a rock for a long time now. No one covers the entire state like I do. And it was a crazy drive again, over 800 miles. I stop at Augusta first and I travel across the state four hours. And I find myself in Edison, Georgia. And we will talk about that in one moment. But first, March 5th, Saturday at Valdosta State. Let's start at the top left-hand side of the bracket. We saw Manchester overwhelm Towns County 6445 taking care of business here and again this is three out of four games that we were able to correctly predict if anyone is keeping score at home manchester eliminates the defending state champs and now they will see oh my goodness the heartbreak never ends for dublin again for the second straight year it wasn't a half court buzzer beater but this time, a buzzer beater from Lorenzo Johnson in overtime that hit off the heel of the rim, the back of the rim, bounces up, hits the top of the backboard, 
Mind you, the stanchion is not connected like most jams. It's up against a wall, so it does not hit a stanchion or any support, and it bounces in, and Dublin sent packing again in incredibly heartbreaking, ridiculous, unfathomable fashion. Um, un- unbelievable, but Warren County, 61-60, a huge win and now it's Manchester versus Warren County. I think Lorenzo Johnson, of course, is going to have to get the job done here. It's all going to come down to him. Um, Manchester, I've I seen Manchester play in person. Travion Jackson's a very uh, explosive little guard, averaging 15 points per game. Uh, you got size inside. Zywan Gray, 13 points and close to 10 rebounds. Cam Wong is a big old boy, about 6'5", 12 points and 10 rebounds. And Elijah Wan, or yeah, Elijah Wan Wright, twelve point six rebounds. Uh, they're big, they're physical. Warren County, if they can get this game and get this guard play flowing and really get some open looks for Lorenzo Johnson, I think Johnson is going to be the best player on the floor in this game, and he can really take over games. And he's proven his ability to do so. He's averaging. Over 22 points per game and six rebounds. He's getting some help from some seniors in Cavante Brinkley, 11 points per game, and uh, Raquan Myers also at 11 points per game. Can they match that size and that physicality up the middle for Manchester? That's some football players down low. I don't know what to expect here. I I picked Dublin to make it to the state title game, and obviously I can't pick them anymore. So Manchester versus Warren County. It's a tough one because I, I haven't seen Warren County in person. I know what Manchester has. I've seen that in person. Warren County, I have not. I would say Warren County has had a mm, Warren County has had a more impressive run in the postseason. They've played better teams. I think you can't really uh, debate that. So if that means anything, you know, I tend to pick Warren County, but Manchester is big and tough. Oh, it's a tough, 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 tough one. And again, Manchester, a team that hasn't lost too many games this year. What's their record? They're sitting there at 28 and two, if that's correct. I'm going to go with, I will go with Warren County here. I will go with Lorenzo Johnson, friends. I think Warren County squeaks one by Manchester, but as you can tell in my voice, I don't feel overly enthusiastic either way with this game. But a game I do feel enthusiastic with is Social Circle and Drew Charter. Drew Charter, by the skin of their teeth, 52-49 over Wilkinson County, a three-seed. Interesting, but a big win to advance to the Final Four. And Social Circle, again, I was in the building. It was a long trip away. There was no cell phone service. I had to pull out all the stops to work my magic to get this game out on the Twitter sphere. This game was an incredible environment. Um, unbelievable. The only two undefeated teams in the state, only one team could survive. And that was Social Circle. 88-77. This game was 25-25 before Social Circle broke it open and took a 42-29 lead into the half and then pretty much nursed about an 8-14 point lead the entire time. But that lead never felt safe because three balls were flying. Uh, Both these teams play a million miles per hour. I think 
Calhoun County plays 2 million miles per hour. And Calhoun County, I wondered, how, how do they win these games? This is your typical frantic pace, good A public team, which I can say you got, you got two styles of A public teams, I usually think, about being good. Teams that have the big football players with some big bodies and uh, can really you know intimidate you, kind of like what Manchester has. And then you have another team that is just hellfire, plays at a, a breakneck pace, will fly up and down the court, take a ton of quick shots, and live this game in transition. And that's Calhoun County. And they pressed and pressed and pressed. And both teams pressed each other the entire time. And right when the game started, I said, oh, boy, when we get the jump ball here and Calhoun County about three seconds into the game and you got – um, oh boy, let me tr- make sure I try and s- say this name correctly. But uh, Talias Wiley, uh, it, the first play of the game, he's about 28, meh, about 26 feet from the three point line. He was warming up from way deep before the game. He lets it fly just five seconds in and buries a deep three. And I said, oh boy, this game is going to be crazy. And they jump into the press and, you know, for the first time, I think both teams saw each other that could match that same speed and athleticism, and they were going at it. Now, of course, I think Social Circle, got the, they, they did get the better of them, so this is the first time uh, Calhoun County has seen a team that can match them. Uh, but boy, oh boy, that was a super fun environment. Um, what really was a deciding factor here for Social Circle was just the depth of their scoring. You put in, what, one, two, three, four, five guys – uh, scored in double figures for Social Circle. And Calhoun, it was just two guys, you know. Wiley had 29 points and six rebounds. He was great. Uh, Dewan Enocher had 26 points, hit about five threes in that fourth quarter to make it close, keep it close. And they kept trimming into the lead there. At one point in that fourth quarter, Social Circle had a nice little comfortable lead, but every time they'd hit a shot, it would be twos for threes. Every trip down, it felt like Calhoun County was trimming one point off the lead and another point and another point. They got it down to six points at one point. Uh, but then uh, uh, later on, uh, it was a big three in the corner from Cam Gaither, and that pretty much sealed the deal. That made it an 80 to whatever, 80 to 65. Uh, later on, it wasn't that. I think it was that, that three might have made it 74 to 63, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, 74-63, that, that pushed the lead after it was an eight-point game, pushed it back to double digits at the 401 mark, and then it was 80-65 to 65 with 230 remaining. Uh, Cam Gaither really came on strong, as I mentioned, and that, that put it away once they pushed it back to 15 points. Um, but again, what really impressed me was Terrell Branch, how calm he was against that insane press of Calhoun County, five foot ten senior guard, played under control. They broke the press. He was always, um, you know, always in charge of things. Played slow. Was able to keep guys behind him. Um, really did a good job of drawing fouls and getting to the basket and mixing a couple threes with a couple drives. Had a lot of great assists. He finished with fourteen point seven rebounds and five assists. But he was just so big for social circle. And going back to that little run that Calhoun County was making when they were trading threes for twos, K.J. Reed, I loved him in the offseason. This kid can play. This is a, a guy that, um, you know, at, at the very least, junior colleges should really 
really keep an eye on. He is such a shot maker. 21 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals, and 2 blocks. But he just, those jumpers in the fourth quarter, he had 3 or 4 of them, just getting to his spot and then squaring his shoulders in midair and hitting contested jump shot after contested jump shot. He was phenomenal. Cam Gaither with 15 points. Amarion Russell with 15 points. Um, you saw Lamaris Jackson had a, a huge game, 10 points. He had 15 rebounds. He had two blocks. And this is a six-foot junior guard who almost had 10 rebounds at the end of the first quarter alone. Uh, he was great. And then the other score, uh, you know, they actually had six guys in double figures. Philip Baines, 12 points, five rebounds, three blocks. He was atop the press. He was going everywhere, trapping the ball. Uh, you had to have such great stamina to play in a game like this. And again, you can't say enough about Social Circle and Calhoun County. They were the real deal. Uh, but Social Circle is by far, they are the best team in Class A public. And, uh, you know, even talking to parents after the game, even that whole community of Calhoun County, which treated me so nicely. Uh, you know, with their hospitality, but even the parents after the game, everyone there, all they could even do, they couldn't even be mad at Calhoun County for losing this game. They were so, just so blown away with how good Social Circle is. And they said, man, if they come into our house and play at our speed and play us at our game and beat us at our own pace, you know, that is just incredible because they have never seen a team that could do that. And Social Circle did that. And they won on the road in a you know, standing room only crazy environment. And they said, no, no, no. We're going to play at a million miles per hour just with you. And we're going to beat you at that own game. And Calhoun County, they just could not make shots. They had a ton of open threes in the corners. And outside of Enocher and Wiley, just no one could hit an outside shot. And that was pretty much all she wrote. And Social Circle survived. So now they see Drew Charter. Drew Charter without Jacquez Thornton, they are in a ton of trouble here. Again, only a three-point win over Wilkinson County. Social Circle is going to press, press, press. Uh, their guard play is so deep. It's more than one or two options. I worry about who is going to be that lead guard. Is it going to be Jacoby Strozer? Is it going to be Cam Johnson? Who is going to handle that pressure against Social Circle? Um, and Circle just has so many options to score and shoot and threes. And they didn't even play um, – A.J. Vincent, I don't even think he got in. The big six foot six football player that is a big, wide body that can present issues. They said, hey, if we need to go into the half court and we slow it down, I want to put him in the game and let him do his thing. But they didn't have to use him. They have so much talent that's not even getting off the bench. Uh, Drew Charter, Jacoby Strogers is going to have to play out of his mind. And I think uh, Cedric Taylor is going to have to play a big role. But social circle, this team is the best team in Class A public. They're proving it, scoring over 100 points twice in the first and second round. I know they didn't play elite competition, but they did against Calhoun County, put up 88. Social circle, uh, it would be a monster upset if they don't win a state title this year. They're not out of the woods yet, but... True Charter, I don't know if they can score with Social Circle, and I just don't know if they have enough weapons without the head of the snake there. So there you have it. There is your Final Four preview podcast on the boys' side. Uh, I'm sure we're going to have more craziness throughout the state. Hopefully I'll be able to track all of it. Again, I'll be in Milledgeville for 2A and 3A on the broadcast. But until next time, the march to Macon carries on. Enjoy your February frenzy. 
We will speak soon.